So on today's episode, there were a few things that I wanted to talk about, you know, me being the diabetic girl and everything. Um, so <laughs> let's get started. Um, one of the things that I actually signed a petition, there's a petition out there at .org petitions or something. I can't remember what the, the website was, but, um, actually where they're actually calling for fair housing that, um, because of the way that the market is, it's super vamped up right now where prices are outrageous on houses and people are looking for affordable housing, you know, for themselves, for their kids. Oh, goodness gracious. Okay. So how does this affect diabetes? How does this affect the diabetic? Well, obviously if you live in a house, you don't have any issues with that, but, um, now consider the rest of the population who doesn't have a house. And it's pretty sad. So let's say you're stuck in an apartment somewhere. Oh, let's not even talk about New York City and their $6,000 a month for, for an apartment. Um, yeah, not ever moving to New York City. Sorry, New York. You got enough people there anyways. You don't need anybody new. Um, so where are where is their affordable housing? Uh, you know, people are looking. Probably somewhere in the Midwest, because uh, certainly anything off the coast, you're not going to find anything. I actually came across this one article, though, that uh, was uh, actually debuting a family who figured it all out. They just bought a plot of land. They had two children. They went ahead and they built, built tiny houses for, you know, the couple uh, they, they actually built a guest house and then they built a house for their daughter and then they built a house for their son. And it was kind of cool. It was, uh, it looked kind of like one of those old fashioned, what would you call it? Kind of like a, a roundabout, you know, like they were pioneers or something. So it was kind of like fashioned in a circle and then they were what they had a great big old huge fire pit right in the middle where they could you know convene for meetings or you know gatherings or just for looks it, it looked really cool so i mean uh you have this huge fire pit and you had um kind of like a picnic table on the side and you had places where you can sit you know it was just really cool looking and i'm like what a concept that is great now i guess the daughter was not staying in her her little tiny house because she was off at college and I thought that was kind of unusual I'm like well with the shutdowns and stuff you think that she would be cozied up in her little house and you know maybe internet access in there or something doing her studies but no she was off in college and so you know the college experience is pretty cool anyways I think online's kind of lame but you know people got to do what they got to do maybe there wasn't internet access out there not sure but Great concept. Um, certainly, if you can't start with a whole city, maybe you should start with your own family. Secure them. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's not really that expensive. I've, I've actually seen people online where they've actually built their own houses. And, you know, I think that's pretty cool. To be perfectly honest. I mean, it's a pretty cool concept. Um, not necessarily what I envision, but, um, you know, starting off small. I mean, you you have to think outside of the box sometimes when it comes to housing. 
So there are people who converted airplanes, buses, lived out of their car, etc. Just so that they could make ends meet. And I think especially into the future that we're going to have to start thinking about um, unconventional ideas. So, I mean, absolutely buying raw land and starting there is probably, I think, the best bet because at least you have a foundation to build something on. And with uh, costs getting out of control, sometimes you just have to manage what you have and perhaps start a business where you can actually uh, be profitable and make something with it. So whether you're selling tomatoes or keeping beehives or doing whatever else, hopefully legal. Um, but survival, I mean, a lot of us have to survive out there, not just diabetics. Or we have families who are more inclined to diabetes and uh, of course that's a generational thing so we take care of our own first right charity starts at home first and then it works its way out but anyways great concept I'm thinking more village you know like people that I'm not related to not that I have anything against family but Um, I don't think they'd actually have anything wrong with it as long as something was already established. But actually building it, like, nobody wants to do the work. I do. I want to get my hands dirty. But not everybody is like that. Uh, The only reason why I'd want to actually build it myself is because I'd I'd put the post office right here. I'd put the grocery store over here. I'd put, uh, like, I, I guess I'd buy, like, a little town and just convert it. I mean, there's plenty of places throughout America where we have these little old-fashioned towns where they did things like that. It's, you know, going back to 1700s or the 1800s, even, where everybody walked everywhere where they needed to go. This is really good for a diabetic anyways. It's just that the way cities are built, you can't walk to the post office unless you live right next to it. You can't walk to the grocery store. You can't carry all that stuff home. I mean, you could. It's just that it looked awfully funny. You stealing a cart and bringing your groceries home. People do that all the time. It's uh, very ghetto, but people do it. But is it necessary? That's what you got to ask yourself. Now, they really make... Society really makes living extremely hard for people who don't have money. So if you, the more money you have, obviously, the more life is easier on you. And, and you know what? I, I regress because you know that there's going to be the person that says, oh, well, we have more responsibilities than you can ever imagine. I'm like, okay, yeah, pay your taxes. I don't have any problems. You know, get in your car, drive your kids to school, go to work. Oh, yeah, your life is so hard. Yeah, that's so difficult. There's people out there without a car. They're still depending on the bus. The bus doesn't go to certain areas, and so they're locked in employment in certain areas. So, no, don't tell me that that your job's hard. Don't tell me anybody can do what you do. Because, um, you know, after after all the different roles that I've played in the, the job world, I've realized that... Um, when they have you pegged at 20000 you won't make a cent more than that. You're just pegged at 20000 or less. They're not going to allow you to make any more money than that, no matter how hard you try. It's just inevitable. And if you're not caught in that, that uh, web of deceit, 
congratulations, but unfortunately that's where they keep most people. It doesn't matter what your IQ is. So good luck breaking out of that box because you're going to have a bunch of little wannabe mini terrorists trying to keep you down. I'm, I'm telling you, they will gang stalk you. And um, they will gang stalk you back into poverty and put you back in your place. Not even joking about that. I'm going through that now. So caught up in a little town that doesn't seem to think that making any more than $10 an hour is um, the way to go. They want to keep you trapped. So if they've pegged you as a commoner, good luck ever getting out of that. That's what I've experienced. Now that's on the East Coast. That's not on the West Coast. West Coast, a little bit freer, but good luck finding anything over 20000 Okay? Been my experience my entire life. I've been boxed in. If I ever make more than that, I'm going to be just absolutely amazed. But sitting here at 50 with diabetes, I don't give it much credit. So, um, I'm looking at this and, you know, what Social Security Disability will actually pay out for me is the same as working a job 40 hours a week at $10 an hour. So, I'm looking at both of them. I can either not work and collect social security disability or work and collect the same amount. So I'm looking at both of them. I'm like, why? Why am I doing this? So if I work the job, then of course I lose my medical. But if I get on social security disability, I get medical. So what the heck? Um, That's if I actually reach over a certain income. And so like right now I'm looking at my income and I'm just like, why am I doing this? I don't know. So it's not enough to maintain your car, insurance, um, food. It's not enough. $10 an hour is a joke. $10 an hour is great if you're a student living with your parents and your parents aren't charging you rent. That way you can take that money and actually pay for your schooling. But that's about it. And you know what? Good luck with the schooling. Hopefully you picked a good career that's going to last you the duration of your adult adulthood. Hey, I'd say run with it. But the current trend that what of what I see is that the more people enter a certain field, it's kind of like Uber, right? The more people enter a certain field, the lower the wages drop. And this goes with doctors too, right? When you become a doctor or a nurse or whatever, and let's say they flood a bunch of nurses on the market or they flood a bunch of doctors on the market, what it's going to do is they're either going to, one, disqualify a bunch of people like they did with the vaccine. Like, if you don't have the vaccine, your job's gone. That way they can put fresh people in and and mock it as if there's really all these these positions that are opening for doctors or whatnot, but... But you have to take the jab in order to do it, like qualifications, qualifiers. And, of course, people are going to do it because, you know, they just spend a million dollars on schooling. And they want to make sure that, you know, they're going to have the pressure on them with their parents. That they better get that jab or else they're going to lose their investment. So, you know, people with money, they're going to do things that other people would not do. So... If you're the, because there's half people who are vaccinated, there's the other half that are not. Um, one of the really sad things is, is, is a lot of qualifiers for a lot of the jobs out here are you have to actually get the vaccine and have all your 
booster shots. Now, that's going to um, go into what I'm going to talk about next and why there's a problem with that. The reason why there's a problem with that is because, um, well, I think they're on booster shot number four now from the vaccine. And the problem is, is that they're inoculating you against, um, you know, COVID, which you may or may not catch anyways. And, uh, like that virus is done. It, it, it's, you constantly have new variants coming out. So it's not really inoculating you against anything. And, um, this was explained by, uh, America's frontline doctors. And I'm like looking at this and I'm like, why are they insisting? Why is a job insisting that you have a booster shot to protect you against something that, that has already morphed into something else? That's okay. Like that's not even trendy here, people. It's kind of like wearing clothes from the 1800s or something. I mean, that's how quickly viruses change. So it makes absolutely no sense. And I have not had anybody explain to me why those booster shots need to happen. So, I mean, mean, you know that there's a money grab going on here. So, yeah, of course, follow the money trail and you can probably figure out why. And so there are people that are absolutely indoctrinated. I mean, this is a new religious... Um, motto is that you must be vaccinated and you must have your boosters and they're going to ignore all the science such as the the blood clots that are going on with people who actually get these shots and so there's some I mean it was killing off younger people in their 20s and 30s in droves and I actually saw a chart on this from the actual CDC themselves Uh, somebody had actually posted it on TikTok and I'm like Wow, this is really crazy. These are vaccinated young adults in their 20s and 30s, and they're dying off after they get the COVID shot. What the heck is going on? So they're still trying to figure it out, too. This is like fresh news here. Um, and I would be, I'm going to be honest with you, it didn't scare the crap out of me. I don't know what did. But, you know, you look at the statistics and you listen to what these people are saying. I mean, they're, the White House is actually making it mandatory for these businesses to say to the employees, you must have a booster or else, you don't, you can't find employment here. And there's some businesses that are, there's some businesses that are not allowing a religious exemption, but there's some that are. So um, I have heard both stories. I think the majority are actually allowing religious exemptions. So if you don't attend church for any other reason, at least attend for that religious exemption. Right? So that would be very cool. I mean, kind of stinks, though, that you'd actually have to go to your pastor just to get a note from them to send to your employer or your potential employer (laughs) for a religious exemption. But I'm sure he has a multitude of copies in his office and that is not unusual. So it's just a political propaganda, just as usual. So um, the good doctors, a lot of them have already been let go because uh, they weren't allowed that religious exemption. 
And that is disturbing because you have people who do care about what happens to you. They let all of them go. So now you just have, I guess, the psychopath doctors who don't really care what they were injected with. Actually telling you your best treatment for medicine. Okay, and that rolls into something else that I want to talk about. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of happy with myself because I'm staying on track. But um, I have the official call. Now, I, I actually saw my record and I saw that my A1C hadn't changed much, even on a keto diet. And that's kind of disturbing. I don't necessarily have a lot of diabetics who, who've been through that that I can really discuss that with. Because when you see that your numbers aren't changing and you've changed your diet and it's not going anywhere, it doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong, by the way. It just means that your pancreas is tired and you might have to actually um, seek other treatments if you're going to bring it down to a very low between 4.5 and 6 where your doctors want it at. So I'm, a, I'm two points too high. And um, that's raising a red flag to me because um, when your blood sugars are kind of stagnant in around 150, 160 or so, on, on the average, for a three-month average, then you really have to start looking at it, especially if you're not eating a lot of bread and stuff. Like, you, you've eliminated most of your snacking to, uh, you know, good snacks like cheese and, you know, nuts. And you're, you're not putting a lot of carbs in your body, but if you're blood sugars are twice what twice the average which two points will actually do that then you need to start looking into other medications besides insulin and as long as you're a diabetic to actually bring those numbers down so that's what I'm going to have to do so I've actually talked about this before and my dear brother he's actually getting a shot right now but I I misunderstood my doctor. I thought that if I took a shot once a week, I wouldn't have to take my my metformin. And that's not the case. I'm going to have to do my metformin and my shot. So I'm not happy about that. It was not something we discussed in the doctor's office. Another thing is, is especially when you add a medication to your diabetic daily tasks or whatnot, or weekly tasks, is now, like for instance, I have to check my blood sugars because I need to make sure that it's not lowering it so far that um, I might end up in the hospital or something, you know, with low blood sugar. So um, that's that's one of my big fears. But I don't have to worry about that right now. But that is something where in the future I'm going to have to worry about that. Um, that's something where I'll check the numbers, etc. I'm a little bit more concerned when I, when I get so low, like into like uh, the fours, if I ever, if I can get that low, uh, which is near normal, 4.5 is like excellent. But if I do actually get that low, then, then I'll have to worry about the other end of diabetes, which is a low or the hypoglycemia, which is something that uh, Dennis Pollock knows fairly well. So, I mean, he um, checks his blood sugar quite frequently. But you're actually better on the low end than you are on the high end. So the high end, you're actually damaging your your organs and stuff. Whereas on the low end, I mean, the worst thing that can happen to you is coma and death. You know. So there's that. Um, Yeah, I'm saying that really gracefully. But after you've been a diabetic for so long, you know, you just get used to it. 
you just get used to it. Like on the hyper in, I never had to worry about the lows because my blood sugar's not all over the place. It's not trying to correct itself. I, I got to the point where when my blood sugar stays the same pretty much all the time, regardless of what I eat. Well, no, 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 I, let me correct that. If I ate carbs, it'll get higher. But, you know, because I, you know, eat things that are diabetic safe, like cheese, you know, things that don't have a lot of carbs in them, I know that my blood sugars are not going to go all over the place. But if I did eat something like a cracker or tortilla or bread or something of that nature, which I should not be eating, um, then I know my blood sugar is going to go up. So there's that. So I will be actually checking my blood sugars on a regular basis. So I just still cannot get over the shock of my doctor. See, this is the big shocker. I think that he thought that he was going to have to really talk me into additional medication. That I was just one of those stubborn people that uh, did not think that I needed it or something of that nature. I think he took me for the, you know, as a wrong person. I, I'm not like that. I mean, now you got to mind you. When I went into my doctor, that's only the second time I've actually seen him. So I don't know him that well. But I think that he he misunderstood my character and my personality and how I actually am. So it's not that I'm against change by any means. It means that I need to do some research. I need to go back to basics. I need to do some research. I need to talk to a few people and then get back to them. Because... um, even though, you know, most of my life I've been able to trust doctors. Uh, recently with this whole vaccination craze that the government pushed on people, I don't necessarily trust everybody that I can run across anymore. Anybody. And, uh, like, no offense. But, I mean, even articles I have to, you know, just double do a double check on because there's some really fruity things that uh, like to pop out. I'm sure you've, you've found a few fruity things out there, too, in on YouTube and just on the web and you're just like this doesn't sound right this dietitian's telling me to eat grains and I know that that'll raise my blood sugar that's what the diabetic girl said that's what Dennis Pollock has said he's he's talked about keto and these doctors are not talking about keto well you're right they haven't been okay another misconception I wanted to go over um, especially if you're going on Ozapec is you still have to watch, not only will you not be, or not only will you still be on the medication that you were on before, but, um, well, that's a big one right there, okay, is, is the fact that you're taking your metformin, but now you're taking Ozepec as well, so you're still taking the daily. I was misinformed, I thought that I was just going to have to take the shot once a week, and I was good. I wouldn't have to take the metformin. But no, they want me on the metformin and the Sozapec stuff. And I started thinking about it. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. So in the next three months before I see my doctor again, he, he wants to see some significant changes and hopefully doesn't like kill me or something. I don't know. I, I think that it's kind of drastic myself, but... I do kind of have them in my back pocket. So like if I needed to like pocket dial them or something, I can do that. So um, that's really important is staying in touch with your doctor or the clinic where you're doing business and asking a lot of questions. 
about the medications you're on. And if you've never injected, like I've never injected, I'm going to be asking my pharmacist questions until I'm blue in the face. I'm, I'm actually preparing a list of different questions to ask them. Like, where's the best place to inject? And why do I have to be on this other medication? And, you know, I'm going to be asking them a lot of questions. And if it's, it's because if, if we're in line with what our doctors are thinking, then I think it's a good thing. If you're not on the same page with your doctor, though, it's going to be very difficult. So if your doctor's goal is so that you can drop your A1C as quick as possible to get near normal so that all of your organs are functioning properly where if there's any damage done, they can heal, etc. Definitely go for it. Your optimal health should be considered first and foremost. Now, I'm, I'm supposed to be losing weight on this too. And, you know, honestly... Um, I don't really care about that. I mean, if I lose weight, that's great. But that's like not my main concern. It's not a vanity issue by any means. Um, but when you do reduce your weight, then that actually helps your body function even better as well. So, and I, I find it kind of crazy because <laughs> it'll never be good enough. It's like, good grief, I've already lost 50 pounds. How much more do I need to lose? Do I need to look like, you know, a waif? Uh, because I know people with diabetes who look like waves. I do know them. They're type 1, so. And where they lost the weight and their, their medications still were not... They were still off whack. They still weren't working properly. It's because of their pancreases. So the, um, you know, the whole thing of just lose 5 to 10 pounds or whatever, or, you know, like lose, uh, sorry, it's 5 to 10% of your body weight and your blood sugar go back to normal, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, that, that's pretty much true. However, if you have, like, for instance, a genetic disposition for diabetes, there's a good chance that even if you do lose 5, 10, 15, 20% of your body weight, you can still get diabetes. Your pancreas could still be dissolving itself. And uh, until they actually find something to actually fix that, um, that's one of the reasons why you'll always have diabetes. And of course, it's something we don't really necessarily want to look at because, I mean, it's decades away from actually dying. But um, it's kind of like the planet dying. It's like, you know, the planet's dying, but we got fresh air and stuff for next today and maybe tomorrow and maybe next year. But who knows after that? But who cares? You know? So it's the same thing. Um... I guess if you actually uh, increase the longevity of a human being to where we can live forever, well, one, we'd care more about this planet, what happens to it, right? Um, but also we would care, desperately care more about our bodies and how our organs are functioning, what we can do to actually fix things such as our pancreas is going haywire wire and eating itself alive to where it's not pumping out enough insulin for your body type. So, anyways, there's that. All right, well, that's about all I wanted to talk about today. Um, thank you so much for listening and for listening to me ramble on. Oh, um, let me jump back to the whole villages and stuff, because I think that this is really important, too. Now, they do have petitions out there where people are screaming for affordable housing. They're tired of being homeless. Can you blame them? I mean, if you were, like, living out on the streets or living in the car, you'd be pretty upset, too. 
So uh, I think it's on change.org. I don't know. Um, I'll have to actually look it up again, post it on my Facebook, but, um, so anyways, yeah, people are tired of being homeless. They just don't want, you know, they want the same things you and I have. They want a roof over their heads. They want water. They want to be able to take a shower when they want to. They want to be able to cook on their stoves. They don't necessarily want to live homeless. I mean, yeah, you might have a few crazy apples out there, but you know, we're not talking about them. We're not talking about the people who want to live like that. Like, I couldn't imagine who, but I'm sure there's a person out there somewhere. But, um, you know, I mean, everybody deserves to be treated like a human being, at least. So that they're free to actually, I don't know, make a podcast about uh, pancreatic cancer or something. Or, you know, maybe build a website and raise money for charity for blue babies or something you know because this stuff does happen people do become active in their community and of course that's something that I think that our society would be better off fostering so I I, I'm really surprised honestly that um like for instance like when you go down for food stamps or something I'm really surprised they don't say something like well we'll go ahead and pay for your housing and um your food stamps for instance if they need it but this is what you have to do you have to start a charity that we have to prove for something to better benefit humanity how much better would our world be if we did something like that and, like, let's say it went into, like, a trust fund or something where, you know, it, it was actually held by investors and actually went to these projects and was actually valid. How much better would, would our world be if we did that? Like, I, I would almost bet that the same person that's collecting welfare, for instance, she wants to save the world, but she doesn't know how. She doesn't even know where to start, right? So let's say this woman on welfare who has, like, two children of her own, Let's say that she has compassion for the children in Syria or the children in Ethiopia or the children in like some story that she heard. And so she wants to raise money for them. And it goes straight to, uh, for instance, uh, a benefit organizer who's actually interested, kind of like a treasurer who's kind of in charge of where the charitable money actually goes. Uh, through a nonprofit, so like all these are registered nonprofits, and then they're actually dispersed out to places like Doctors Without Borders, for instance. They help people in Syria or whatnot. Or, like, let's say they go to Habitat for Humanity here in the United States and they help to buy land and develop land and to implement new ideas, such as, i.e., small houses. So, I'm just throwing these ideas out here, people. Uh, be feel feel free no copyright here feel free to run with this and maybe implement some of these ideas as your own I mean that's great or pass them to somebody who who can use these ideas because I'm telling you our humanitarian crisis is right here at home in the U.S. and I definitely care about what goes on with the rest of the world too like I do care about war-torn Syria and people drinking uh, cholera out of the river Euphrates and all kinds of things. So uh, maybe we can also implement this for global change 
to where we actually benefit humanity instead of actually tearing it down all the time. Why don't we just reverse the way that we've been all, you know, for centuries? Why don't we reverse that and try doing something nice for everybody? You know, just be good to each other. Okay, so with that being said, I'm 32 minutes in. I want to thank you so much for listening. And, um, yeah, please share. Please share this with somebody who could possibly use it. Um, Of course, I have more ideas, too. So I just want to see a change in this world. I want to see the hungry fed. I want to see people clothed. I want to see people in houses. I want people to be able to achieve their dreams. I want people who are stuck in minimum wage jobs to be able to achieve their dreams too. As long as they're clean and decent and they're benefiting humanity, then what harm is it doing to anybody? All right. This has been Margaret Copeman Franklin, and I hope uh, with diabetic survival, and I hope that you have a great day. Oh, yes, and please be kind to each other. Thank you.